Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm so excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we discuss photography, building a business, and still having a life through it all. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, so what better way to have a conversation with uh, a friend in the industry than over sushi? Uh, I think that's a that's a great platform for conversation, right? Yeah, and it's fusion sushi. This is true. We are at a little place here, and what what is this officially? What what city is this? Uh, this is Columbus. We're at Easton Town Center. So we're we're in Columbus, Ohio. I'm sitting here with my friend Chad De Blasio. I am pronouncing that correctly, right? I, sh- I should know this by now, yeah. I assume. Uh, but we've had a lot of great conversation today already, and I figure it makes sense that we just kind of bring people along f- for the ride, yeah. let them in on a little bit of the conversation. I want I want people to, or photographers, to know who you are in the industry, what you're doing, where you're based. So tell us a little bit about that first. Um, so we're a wedding and portrait uh, studio out of Columbus, Granville, Ohio. Um, we're primarily wedding-based. We do 15-ish weddings a year, second shoot, five or ten just for fun to kind of expand out but we also do a, all the all the other work that we do is is all word of mouth stuff so we do a little bit of corporate photography we do some promotional photography do some seniors and families and stuff so but we've been shooting i've been full-time no other jobs for this is coming up on seven years um shooting since i was probably 12 or 13 so i guess officially launched my business in 05 um so coming up on 10 oh yeah almost 11 years wow so you said 12 or 13 was it a how did you even get into it in the first place? Yeah, so we have a program here called 4-H, which is um, farms and uh, kind of kids. I don't know. They have 4-H in other places. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So four, it's kind of a youth thing that they do to get kids involved with projects, and they take them to the fair and present and all that stuff. So 4-H was a way for me to take, like, projects of – I did model rocketry, and I did photography, and I did sewing and things that – just you do these projects and there's books you work through is kind of a you know experience life kind of thing so um, my stepdad has a, had an old canon film camera and my sister did it the year before and i was really jealous and i loved i mean i remember being super intrigued that they took a picture of the stoplight and you could see all three of the lights in the stoplight because they did like in a time lapse so just the my brain is very sciencey and artsy mixed so that was very intriguing to me as something that was artistic but also had a very kind of technical science side to it um, so we started shooting that next year and I just kind of kept with it I had a disposable camera and then I bought when I first moved to college one of my very first purchases was a 35 millimeter Canon like point-and-click camera um, that was also film oh yeah it's film <laughs> 35 millimeter I have ungodly amounts of film that I've developed all through college that like you know people I think Part of me got into it because uh, girls liked it, so uh-huh. <laughs> just <be> totally honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was one of those things. That was like it was same with art and music. Is like it was always it was what my heart loved, but it was also it helped that it was kind of popular and cool because I wasn't either one of those things. <laughs> well, popular and cool, but yet probably a larger or smaller percentage of people actually did it, right? I mean, oh, yeah, how many yeah, people yeah. are actually good at music or or photography as a, a hobby of theirs? Right. Yeah, so early on in college, like, nobody took pictures on film, especially. Right. That was, like, um, I remember very early on in college, like, f- cameras on phones were becoming, like, a thing. Um, I had a, 
uh, it wasn't a blackberry. It was a uh, Palm Trio. It was like a the first like planner organizer smartphone that had a cool camera on it. Um, and by cool, I mean like 1.2 megapixel. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was it was that was like my first delve into it. And and as I was developing film, and as I went to, I got to go to Africa. Um, I took some film there, probably 30 rolls um, over the summer. Came back and developed that, and was just like I don't know. It's just. I remember sitting and, and looking at my parents' photos when I would come back from college, and because I was in this time in my life that like I didn't really fit anywhere, and that gave me kind of a basis of who I was and where I was and, and where I fit like in the world and the story of the world. You know, I was like, this is who I am, and so that always was very grounding for me and very like um, kind of cathartic for me to come home and look through those photos of my second birthday and even things like that. You know that like things from that point on in my life were not the same as they were then my parents ended up getting divorced my my dad has now passed away like those things have always kind of spoke to me personally and emotionally like these are tying into not only my story in this world but like kind of the things that are, are important to me um and that's when a lot of artist types photographers will talk about the idea of this being a reflection of who they are mm-hmm. and and yet it almost seems like a, just a cliche phrase that they say that got kind of borrowed from somebody else. But you're actually talking about photography as being something that was actually a reflection of of you, or, or, or it was actually a platform to figure out who you were. Yeah, yeah, more so of of kind of um, I don't know. And this may be something all kids that go through divorce or or maybe art artists are more inclined to think about life in this way but like I was always just kind of like wondering what my place was you know like where do I fit and what am I supposed to do and why do I matter you know and so those those things I remember from a very early age like those things tied very tightly into my brain as to who I am is I'm the child of these people and I'm the grandson of these people and these are who these people are and these are the kind of people that they interact with and the the community knows them as this kind of person you know and like my grandparents on both sides were known by all their friends and family as like very generous and sweet compassionate people but also very passionate you know what I mean like they they um my grandpa on my on my dad's side my grandpa and my great-grandpa they were both very heavily involved in in minor league baseball so they um, my great-grandfather actually built the 16- to 18-year-old World Series park in Newark, Ohio, and made Newark, Ohio, like, well-known in the baseball world for hosting and bringing out um, that kind of talent. And so it was like people around that area knew my family, and, like, that was, I, I, that was very important to me as to, like, who I am, is I'm a part of these people, which gave me kind of a place in the world. So, yeah, it's always been that way, and I feel like I have those photos of my grandparents' um, in my office for that reason. And I tell people, you know, wedding class, it's like, is it's not just about this cool wedding day is like this, this gives you a place in the world and it gives you a story as to who you are in existence, in history, in life. And so that's, yeah, it's, it's very tied into that for me. So when we're talking about identity, being able to, to actually establish, this is who I, this is the kind of the value that I bring to the people around me. Um, you were able to do that by, essentially capturing your family yeah well and it started like I said in college so I was like I was able to do that with um, I moved far away from school I went I went to school in Missouri and I was from Ohio and that was like the first time I think it gave me a basis um, to establish kind of a who I who I want to be and because I was away from my family for the first time and I didn't really have people there didn't know me I wasn't from any special family there you know so it's like 
I was able to kind of with art and with that to help them and kind of figure out who they were and that's that's the other aspect for me is that not only does it give me a place in the world but like my I think my gifting as an artist is to be able to help people see clearly so I don't know necessarily that I create anything that's not there but for someone to look at themselves and to see themselves as they actually are I think is very difficult for other people to see that I think is, is much easier and so I feel like it helps them kind of give them a sense of identity or a sense of uh, well maybe I am beautiful or maybe I am talented or maybe I am you know capable of looking in a way that is attractive like that kind of stuff is like well, I was going to say because some people when they quote actually see themselves for who they are they don't see anything great so how do right, you right, right. as you see help them see them for themselves how do you simultaneously help them feel beautiful what does that look like well, I guess that's the thing is like is is um Maybe other people are better at seeing beauty or seeing things about them that they don't see. Or maybe they, I don't know. So this is the quandary for me is that I feel like people do know it. Like you don't, I don't think most people look in the mirror and think they're hideous or horrible people. It's like, but what they think is that most people don't see them how they see themselves. Or they don't see pictures that look like what they see. You know what I mean? Like. For me, an example, I look in the mirror and like I can see things about, I, like I like my eyes, or I like how my beard shape is, or, or I like the way that my my face fits my body. Well, then I see a bad picture of me, and it's like it doesn't look like that. It looks like something like I hope that I never look like. Does that Interesting. make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're helping them see. I, so that's what I'm, I feel like that's my goal is to give them an accurate reflection of who they are and what they look like in a way that I can see them. So it takes, I feel like it takes my skills as a photographer, but it also takes that kind of that whole blend of, I appreciate who they are and who they are to their friends. And so that's important. And I kind of try to scope that out and see how their friends see them and how they relate to them. And if they're fun and laughing and, or how their, you know, future spouses, if they're touchy, if they, you know, those are kind of all things I'm like, um, inherently at this point, just kind of like observing. So I'm like, part of being a good photographer is being a really good observer of watcher of what's important to them even if they don't tell you what's important to them and then also knowing that like um i feel like they inherently know that they have value or they could have value or they hope they have value but when they see it reflected back in those photos and it's like it, it confirms that you know what i mean it like gives i always say it in this way it's like it gives them permission to be pretty or it gives them permission to feel good about how they look not necessarily that they're self-defeating to begin with, but they're probably, they don't give themselves permission to accept that. Um, wow. Wow. Okay. So this is, I got really weird and deep from like, so how did you do photography? <laughs> <laughs> so let's actually take a step back for a second because what you were just explaining is, is, is pretty deep and it is actually quite powerful. And if you as a business, as a brand have the ability to help your clients feel that way, I mean, they're not just going to come to you for, great photography in the end. In fact, I was just having a conversation with Nathan and Ashley Siner, and they were talking about something similar. Great photography is, at, at this stage, is, is a commodity. It's to be expected, right? Right. Um, You're a professional. You should take great pictures. So then to take, to take the, the business, because it is a business in the end, to take the business beyond just decent photography and actually help your clients feel this way is a really, really powerful thing. How would you... How would you then, as a brand, focus primarily on wedding and engagement sessions with the occasional uh, different types of portrait sessions kind of mixed in? 
how would you actually, like if you were to give me your, your some people say a 30 second or 60 second elevator mm-hmm. uh, pitch, what your brand stands for. I, I, I'd like to think that a five or 10 mm-hmm. second summary is, is much better. How would you sum up your, your brand? How do you position yourself against the local market? Yeah, so one of the things that we've always used as kind of like a, a tagline for my business is, is your life exactly how you pictured it. Is like this idea that, um, that kind of encapsulates that is like, so is, is, that is the tagline that you use, and that, that's that's yeah. actually pretty powerful because it sums up what, what we just spent maybe five minutes talking about in a in a really uh, short phrase. That's awesome. Yeah. Your life exactly how you pictured it, in the sense that like exactly how you hoped your family pictures would be, or how you hoped those family interactions would be, but also like um, I think how you idealize those things. You know, it's like I I wish that I looked as happy as I feel about my kids in pictures. Well. There's a way to, I feel like, encourage that culture to happen. Um, and some of it happens just kind of like um, very, I want to say, grassroots, you know, in the way that we establish our relationship with them. Um, and obviously some clients are easier than others, but like I feel like those are the things that when you're able to, to vocalize and voice those things in the photos you take, in the way that they speak to people, but also in the text that you put around those things. Um, I've had clients in the recent, uh, like in the just in the recent past since I've redone my website that said, like, we've never met you, but we read what you put on your website, and it just really resonated with the things that we want from our wedding photography. And, like, to me, like, that's that's why, I mean, that's why they're my clients. It's not because they didn't, I, and I've always felt that way. It's, like, it's kind of, like, one of those things I battle myself on is is I don't feel like one of those photographers that people, and especially maybe other photographers, are going to look at my work and be like, holy crap, this guy, you know? But clients do and it's not necessarily because of the photos the photos like you said it's it's a commodity it's like you should be good there are enough free resources to teach you how to take great photos that like if you're technically not super super solid there's no reason for it you know and especially if they're paying you pro level prices but there's a whole i would say probably 70 percent the rest of the business that's like how they feel about you how they interact with you how is their how are their pictures and their products presented to them like how are their emails worded do they feel is there a general overall cohesive brand you know it's like and i always think about like you know when you go to apple or you go to a burberry and like you walk in like you know what to expect before the person ever says a word to you because you know what those brands are about it's like i want to have that kind of feel and vibe to the things that and professionalism a level of clean and polished to my brand um for my clients too even though we're a boutique industry you know how do you how do you then get or i guess how do you effectively communicate that brand to the local market and are, are you shooting are you shooting or photographing local clientele or are you doing some destination work as well what what's your focus there yeah as far as the market goes 80 percent of what we do is from around here okay so how do you effectively then communicate this brand message to the local market and separate yourselves from uh, or yourself from the the other photographers in the area so when i first started um i was a little older i was in my late 20s when i when i decided that this is what i was going to do and it had been through another another business venture that was a, a direct sales kind of a thing and it's like i I spent a year and a half selling things that other people told me all the time nobody's going to buy. And I sold, I sold them all the time. I, you know, 2,500 cleaning systems. Sold them all the time. And I didn't feel like they were schemey. Like, I was selling things I totally believed in. We have them in our own house. We use them. It's like, 
but I sold things that people told me all the time is too expensive. There's no market for it. Um, you're never going to make any money doing that stuff. And it's like, well, it, I am, I am. And I'm not like, I'm not bending over backwards to make ends meet. Like I'm doing well. And so that communicated in this business very well for me to be like, well, it's not necessarily about having a product that no one else has because photography is something everyone has access to at this point. It's, it's not about having something that you do better than anybody else. Cause I mean, they probably know several good photographers. Um, it's about that for me, it's that whole package. And so the way that I, I felt like the way that I was going to present my brand was not through paid advertising necessarily. It was never going to really speak in the same way, at least not at the level I can afford to spend right now. You know, like, it's never going to speak in the same way for them to see a Facebook ad as it is for their friend to say, dude, have you met Chad de Blasio? Like he did our family pictures and like our kids love him, you know, like that will never speak in the same. So I just decided the money that I had or the money that I was going to put that seven or 8% of my business revenue was going to go back into helping clients tell my story for me. So, you know, we do things with personalized gifting for, for weddings is like, I don't have a wedding booking gift. I have a wedding booking gift portion of their of whatever they spend you know it's like and then I send them something that matters to them like if they're into cooking or if they're into being together and they're newlyweds and I know they're establishing a house I send them a book you know a cookbook and I say here's some really great easy recipes I know you're busy your lives are probably busy um, but one of the things that our family really enjoys is doing dinner together and I know that's something that can very easily and quickly erode from your time schedule is doing dinner together because we're busy I said, so, so I hope this is something you guys can practice and here's a way that you can do it. And it's like, then it, to me, it's, it's something I care about those people. I care about their marriage. I care about the relationship, but like little things like that. Like, um, I sent some clients, they're, they're really into like art and music and, and photography. So I send them this little, this cool little like chain link, um, photography or clip that you clip like four by sixes in. And I was like, as much as I've taken pictures of my kids, the little books that I print for them each year for my cell phone photos have become one of my like most treasured things. I said, so here's something that we love. We love prints. We love having memories that we've made hanging around our house and, and sitting out where we can look at them. So what I would love for you guys to do is to take this and as you start your relationship, hang this on your wall somewhere you'll see it where you hang your keys or whatever and just every couple months print something and hang it up there. It's like this is something that we love. These are things that I know you guys love and you have, have voiced, you know, that you appreciate about the way that we do business. So here's a way for you guys to kind of engage in that. Um, so those are things that like we do those with our wedding clients um, and they're personal and they're not, and that, that then gives them a reason to talk about us in a way that is real and also not just like, oh, he spoiled us. You know, it's like, it's like, this is personal. This isn't so that our brand is personal my message is personal our our intent is to be a boutique industry client that we do 15 to 20 weddings not 45 or 50 just because that's how i want to do business that's how i feel like i function best in that realm i can keep up with people like this morning the clients that we met with like i know them i know their kids i know where they're where they work and what they've been up to and and it it allows me to do business in a different way and it helps me tap into that market without having to go out and say you guys should use me you know to try to convince them that's beautiful, and it all centers around the idea of helping them feel a particular way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of emotion behind it, and and as uh, I've been fascinated to learn over the last few years, emotion. If something, if, if an action is driven by emotion, mm -hmm. 
that, that action or the move in, the, in a particular direction tends to be a little bit stronger. If they're driven by emotion, something that you've helped them feel by the way that you've created this experience for them uh, or help, help them feel in creating this particular experience, they're more likely than to go talk about it. Yeah, because so, they've had something that has charged them emotionally. Right, right, right. Um, I, so I was lucky to hear this guy named Daniel Pink uh, give a, a speech, and then I bought his book called Drive, and it's about motivators. Why do we do what we do? Um, he talks about the you know intrinsic motivators, the extrinsic motivators, the like uh, award-based motivations. So it's like he said very simply, you pay your child to do the garbage to take the trash out. That then becomes the expectation that the action is rewarded by payment. They are very, very, very highly unlikely to ever take the trash out because they love you or because they want to contribute to your family or because they feel good about doing work because you've already placed a value and a, and a reward with this thing. He said, so what they found through doing all these motivational, you know, um, Experiments. Experiments with, with jobs and workplace environments where people are, you know, hey, we'll give you a bonus if you do this or if you bring in this many new clients, then you get to win a trip. He's like, they all work to a degree, but most of the ones that are external motivators like trips or money or uh, increases in pay or time off are all very short cycle. They don't have a long-term lasting effect and they only last as long as the reward will, will be there. So... Um, I started thinking about that and it seems like a lot of the things I do in my business relate back to how I think about my kids and like what we do. But like I started thinking about that with my kids is like, okay, so if I really want my kids to understand like that their part in our family is to, and, and their blessing of being part of a family is that they get to contribute and they get to be part of this group function that is for a greater good, a greater cause that we can all live together and be in harmony and, and experience life and love. Like if that's our end goal, then we can't start that with either a um, fear-based of like, we're going to, you know, Absolutely. if you don't do this, we're going to punish you. Yeah. Um, but we also can't start it with a like, well, help with the dishes and you'll earn an allowance because in the long term, I want them to want to do the dishes and I want them to want to help out. Now, does that mean that they can't ever earn an allowance for doing dishes? No, but the established routine, the reward system should be based on something different. So with, with clients, I wanted clients to review us. Well, there was, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I'll just I'll offer them a free canvas, you know, send out a reviews. And that's cool. And I think it works. But I didn't want them to. Re and, and maybe this is just a pride thing. Maybe this is just like, how can I get people to do this thing? But it really came down to like, I didn't want them to review me because I paid them. I didn't want them to give me even a good review or a bad review. I didn't want them to go to the site because in their heart they were like, oh, yeah, we got to do this because we'll get 100 likes. I wanted them to review me because I wanted them to understand, and this is kind of has played into how I word the emails or how I talk on the phone to them. It's like, I want you guys to review me because I want other people who've never met me to kind of have an understanding of who they're getting involved with before they meet me. That's really it. So the reviews, like, I'm like, I get teary, like, reading these things about what these people say about us. And I'm like, um, it's just really cool because that, to me, is a completely different business. And other people notice that right off. You know, it's not like, it's not they read the review and they're like, oh, this is really honest. It's like the one of the reviews, Chris, um, Chris and Pio got married and they're, they did a, a Indian, uh, Chinese, American fusion ceremony. And so like there was a couple different outfit changes and blah, blah, blah. Well, they left the ceremony site and I'm pulling out of the ceremony site and they're sitting there in their car 
like looking at me like lost puppies. And I was like, you guys okay? And they're like, we ran out of gas and all of our payment forms are in our other sets of clothes that our parents have with our cell phones 40 minutes down the road. So like I, I was like, okay, guys, just follow me. So I followed them to the gas, or they followed me to the gas station. I put gas in their car and gave them, like went to the ATM and got them some money because they were like, they hadn't eaten. Like they were blown away by that. They were like, you don't like, you're not like our family. Like you're not, I was like, but to me that's, I mean, I would want that to happen for people, not just for my clients, but especially for my clients. Cause like they're my, they're my responsibility. Um, so, but those kind of reviews, like you're not gonna, you're likely not going to read that a lot. But that's all again driven. Yeah, well, exactly. So the motivation that you were talking about is intrinsic to the experience that you create for them that helps them feel, just to put it very, very simply, to feel good. Yeah. And valued, actually, that's a lot lot better word. That's really, really powerful. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer.